Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson, checking in as we approach the midway point of this three-city, ten-game road trip. The Marlins are one and three so far through the first four games. They dropped two of three to the San Francisco Giants, and they dropped the opener of their four-game set with the Colorado Rockies on Monday. The series in Denver goes through Thursday, and then the team will continue its trip wrap up the trip, I should say, in Anaheim with three games this weekend against the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Marlins, after going one and three so far, they are now 24 and 24 on the season at the time of this recording. And all four games so far on this trip, just like so many others of their the season, have followed a very similar theme. They've been close. That means the Marlins are competitive, which is good, but it feels like an now that we have a large enough sample size going on close to 50 games, are the Marlins playing with fire here with just how many close games they're playing and really the fact that the bulk of their wins are coming in these close games? Let's take a look at some of the numbers here. Uh, all four games on this road trip decided by two runs or fewer, and it goes beyond that, actually. Uh, each of Miami's last nine games and 10 of their last 11 going back to their series finale with the Arizona Diamondbacks on May 10th in Phoenix, they had a margin of victory of one way or the other of either two runs. And also, 25 of 48 games, more than half of Miami's games, have been within two runs at the final score. Uh, Mar- the, Mar- the Marlins, they've liked their chances when they're in these games, when they keep them close, and the record reflects it. Uh, heading into this road trip, they were 17-4 and in games that were decided by two runs or less. But as we all know, usually, eventually, these things even out, water rises to its level, whatever phrase you want to use with it. And we have sort of seen that so far through these first four games here. The only win the Marlins have on the road trip, a 1-0 shutout win over the Giants on Saturday, game where Braxton Garrett was absolutely phenomenal. Six and a third shutout innings, his best start of the year. His cutter really began to show just how valuable it is, how much it plays off of the rest of his pitches. And they got their one hit on an eighth inning single from John Birdie, who scored Gary Hampson, who reached on an error. So 1-0 win, the run being unearned just the second time in Marlins history that they had a win that was a 1-0 final score with the one run being unearned. And other than that, Miami has had chances to win each of the other three games but either didn't execute on key chances or failed to shut down the the opponent when momentum was swinging into Miami's favor. Uh, Just a quick rundown of those three games. Friday against San Francisco, Miami took a 2-1 lead in the top of the six. Brian Dale Cruz, big two-run double. Uh, Immediately afterwards, bottom half of the inning, Sandy Alcantara gives up three runs. Uh, Just another rocky outing for Alcantara and really again it was third time through the order when in that sixth inning and Alcantara thrived in that situation last year he hasn't as much this year opponents are hitting close to 300 off him third time through the order OPS is hovering in the upper 900s last year it was I believe about 238 240 batting average and only a 640 or somewhere in that range OPS against So third time through the order, opponents are starting to capitalize on Alcantara this year, and the Marlins weren't able to do anything after they gave the lead back to San Francisco. Sunday, 13 hits, just five runs. 
Jesus Lazario gave up six. The final score was seven to five. And even with that, <clears throat> the Marlins still had a chance to tie the game at the very end. Jorge Soler, who had four hits in the game, including a towering home run in the first inning, stepped into the box. He had a runner on. He had two out, runner on with two outs. One swing very well could have tied the game. And he ended up getting just getting under a Camilo Duvall fastball fly out to shallow right, ended the game. Monday, a lot of chances. Two double play balls in the first and second inning killed momentum. Uh, also in the second inning, Gary Cooper, who led off with a double, hesitated when debating going to se going second to third on a wild pitch, ended up going for it, got tagged out of third. Immediately afterwards, Brian De La Cruz gets a hit. So hit to center. So very likely they could have gotten a run off of that. Uh, nine runners left on base overall, two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Um, some questionable plays, obviously the Cooper one that was mentioned, Joey Wendell, laid down a bunt with one out in the eighth when they were down two. Don't know why you're sacrificing an out to get a runner in scoring position at that point. Uh, but the the long and short of it is this team needs to play clean baseball. It needs to execute the fundamentals to turn competing, staying close into winning, especially with the state of the roster with all the injuries. This team knows that they've done it throughout the season. They've They've won as many of these close games as they have. They just need to find ways to get back to those ways as and try to take advantage of the rest of this road trip. And with that, uh, pitching matchups for the rest of the Rocky series, Ari Perez is going to make his first road start on Tuesday, so just after I finish up this recording. And he will be going opposite Austin Gomber for, for Colorado. Wednesday is Sandy Alcantara against Carl Kaufman. And Braxton Garrett wraps up the Denver series against Kyle Freeland. And assuming everything stays the same, which it should stay the same because there are no off days and just the state of Marlins pitching staff, it should be Lazardo Cabrera-Perez for the series against the Angels. And since I mentioned the depleted roster, just quick update on the injury front. Uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Jesus Sanchez, and Avisail Garcia are all rehabbing in Jupiter while the Marlins are on this road trip. Jazz, who's dealing with turf toe, he's only doing upper body workout at this point, so still a ways away from, from his recovery return plan. Obviously, El Garcia throwing, running, and doing agility work. And Jesus Sanchez, who's dealing with the hamstring injury, doing lower body strength work. Uh, Johnny Cueto playing catch out to 105 feet. He's supposed to be reevaluated later this week about getting back on the mound. Obviously, with the state of where this is, it's probably going to be a little bit before he gets back. On the flip side, Trevor Rogers threw a 35-pitch up-down bullpen, basically essentially simulating throwing multiple innings over the weekend, and he's set to throw three innings in an extended spring game on Thursday. Assuming if that goes well, he'll go into a rehab assignment. Probably would need two to three to get fully built up. Three, 35 or three innings. If you get him to five or six before he gets up here, that would be the ultimate game plan. Remember, before Cueto had suffered the setback during his first rehab outing, uh, Skip Schumacher said the goal is to have the starting pitchers ready and ready and capable of throwing at least 90 pitches before they come back. Because again, just the state of how little the starting pitching staff has thrown this year and how much they've used the bullpen. They want to make sure 
that they're not just bringing bringing the starters starters back in, hoping they can get through five. Uh, AJ Puck continuing to play catch without symptoms. He still thinks that this should be a minimum minimal time on the IL, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, Tommy Nance was returned from his rehab assignment because he felt sh- uh, soreness in his shoulder after his first outing. He's going to be reevaluated. We'll see where that goes. We should get more clarity later this week. And Sixto Sanchez, the lovely latest Sixto Sanchez update. Uh, he's now throwing his, he has no discomfort in the shoulder. He's out to 105 feet, everyone. So maybe he'll get back on the mountain sooner than later. But again, just another frustrating update with him. Just him getting close and another setback. Just it feels like the same old, same old at this point. And now to wrap up the episode, our usual minor league report. And I wrote about him on Monday when I do the weekly write-up for on the Herald website, but I just I continue to be intrigued by Sean Reynolds. I mean, you look at just his career arc, fourth round pick, supposed to be a first baseman, barely first hit first base, left-handed hitting first baseman, could barely hit. And once the pandemic hit in 2020, the Marlins convert him to reliever. And we saw what he's done the last couple of years, became the closer in double A, right, and was able to be the closer for that playoff run. And he's just entrenched himself in that role even more. 25 years old, stands six foot eight. And his stats so far this season, he has seven saves and eight save opportunities that leads the Southern League and leads all Marlins prospects to go along with 30 strikeouts over 23 innings and 19 relief appearances. But even more than that, he gave up six earned runs in his first two outings this season. In the following 17, he's given up earned runs in just one of the following 17. One out of 17 relief appearances, he's given up earned runs. Last week, he threw four shutout innings in three outings, struck out seven, gave up just two hits, logged a two-inning save on Sunday. And again, he's 6'8", his fastball, Sits between 96, 98. He can touch 100. He has movement in the zone. He has a changeup and a slider to give him three offerings, which is solid for a close, for a high-end reliever. And as long as if he's able to keep repeating this, I think the Marlins, especially since he's still relatively new to pitching, the Marlins are still being they're being ops, they're being observant with him. They're waiting to see what happens. I think. He's gonna, he probably going to call up a trip to AAA at some point, especially since there's a lot of moving parts there just to see how he can handle it up there. And then who knows what happens there. Remember, he is already on the 40-man. He was one of those guys who was added this offseason to protect him from Rule 5 draft or from becoming free agents. So there is a possibility that Sean Reynolds is seeing at some point. So we'll see how that goes. And then a few other quick hits. Uh, Troy Johnson, first baseman in Double A, he has at least one hit in eight of his last ten games. He had home runs in back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday for Double A Pensacola. Uh, in this in this ten-game stretch, three sixteen average, five seventy-nine slugging, uh, OPS just over a thousand, eleven RBI, eleven runs scored. Uh, Gerard Encarnacion, again, guy who made his debut last year, been a bit of a feast or famine start for him this year in AAA. He leads the Jumbo Shrimp with 31 RBI and 17 extra base hits, nine doubles, eight home runs to go along with a manageable, pretty good 855 OPS. But 
70 strikeouts in 187 plate appearances, 37.4% K rate. He's got to cut that down a bit, especially if he wants a chance to, to get another chance to get up here. And you look at the Marlins again, the outfield situation, the Marlins really, their guys, it's Garrett Hampson's basically the everyday center fielder. Brian De La Cruz in one of the corners. And then they're rotating in but Jorge Soler. Whenever they give him a day off of being a DH, he gets in the outfield occasionally. Uh, Peyton Burdick's out there. Uh, John Birdie started and left on Monday. Peyton Burdick, his K rate is hovering around 50%. He's He could potentially have a short leash here if they want to be able to try someone else out. Encarnacion's the only one on the 40-man who has experience. Uh, they have Brian Miller and Jake Mangum also in AAA. Those would be other options depending on what the Marlins decide to do until the rest of their group comes back. Uh, and then to go at, go down to low to high A, 2021 first-round pick Khalil Watson, uh, since May 7th, so over basically the last two weeks, he's hitting 293, 12 for 41, with three doubles, a home run, six RBI, and six runs scored. He has 11 walks against 13 strikeouts. That's an 885 OPS. Multiple hits in four of the 13 games. And his 402 on base percentage overall was third among regulars in Beloit. And in the 24 games overall that he's played, he missed some time with an ankle injury. Five doubles, two home runs, 12 runs scored, and successfully stolen six bases in seven attempts. And speaking of stolen bases, Nassim Nunez, he's up to 20 on the season in Pensacola. That's the most in the Southern League. And he's one of 16 players overall in the minors to have at least 20 stolen bases so far this season. And yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have a full recap of the road trip. And once this road trip comes to the end, we're basically two months into the season. So we'll do another, another, uh, checkmark or benchmark setting evaluation of where the team stands and where things could potentially go moving forward. So with that, thanks so much everyone and see you again next week.